Hello, and welcome to the worst of the best, where we uncover, analyze, and delve into the worst songs by the best songwriters of all time. My name is Steve Williams. I'm David Newshots. And uh, here we go. So why why do great songwriters write bad songs? Is it ego? Is it pressure from their label? Um, is it pressure from their fans? Is it drugs? Mezcal. Is it, is it mezcal? Um, is it the, the time they're living in? Maybe it's because it's the 80s. A lot of bad music came out in the 80s. Um, maybe it's just because they did a lot of drugs in the 80s. Drugs were real good in the 80s. Yeah, quaaludes. A lot of quaaludes. So, uh, David and I are going to try to be as objective as possible with this podcast. We're not here to talk about overplayed songs that we're just sick of hearing. Um, we're not going to do Sweet Caroline. Objectively good. <laughs> we're not going to do Sweet Home Alabama. Objectively bad. No, nor Sweet Emotions. Objectively sweet. Neither will we do uh, Sweet Child of Mine. I don't have a child. Because um, all the, all those songs are, uh, I don't think they're bad songs. We we I don't want to listen to any of them right now. Um, I don't wake up in the morning want to hear. But you know, they're just not bad songs. They're not bad, and we're and we're we're gonna get into the worst songs. Yeah, the worst songs from your favorite artists. And we're also not just talking about bad songs that have been recorded over over time that have become popular. No. Tub <coughs> um, Thumping by Chumbawamba, although I like it, but no. Steve hates it, and everyone else does too. <laughs> um, so no one-hit wonders, no two-hit wonders. I wouldn't even do it. I wouldn't even let a three-hit wonder onto this podcast. Um, we're talking about the greatest songwriters of all time. Unimpeachable songwriters in, in the pantheon yeah. of songwriters. Yeah. Classics. Yeah. We're digging. We're digging deep. We're excavating. And, um, yeah, so we're going to just try to figure out why, uh, with the breadth of their um, career, why a great songwriter would put out a bad song. So, yeah, we're just, we're not trying to, not trying to be haters here. Yeah, we're lovers. We're we, lovers. We love, we love the artists that we're going to be right. uh, skewering. <laughs> right. Um, I think some, some, some artists don't have bad songs. It's, it's I mean, I, some have two. Some have two. I'm, I, I can't, I can't think of a, of a perfect artist who is a, who is a one album person that's just, I guess someone who died after one album, one perfect album. I don't know, man. I think some. Is that Jeff Buckley? Did Jeff Buckley only make one album? He really only made one album, and I don't think there's a bad song in there. No, but he also didn't write all of them. Good point. Very good point. So, with that said, we have some parameters that are going to be in favor of the artist here. We're um, not going to do this every episode. I think we should do this every episode. <laughs> uh, number one, <clears throat> no posthumous releases or demos or previously unreleased songs. If the artist, him or herself, didn't sign off on it, then for the sake of this podcast, it doesn't exist. It's not canon. Right? Best of the worst, rule number two. No avant-garde songs. Revolution 9 won't make the cut. Uh, that's by the Beatles. <laughs> songs like this are nearly completely subjective, and it's much more difficult to break them down. Yeah. Um, I agree. 
Although, what if we choose? There's some avant-garde artists that I don't think that are that are great. What about Lori Anderson? Most of her stuff's avant-garde. Um, I'm I haven't thought of any Lori Anderson songs <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> it's all I think about all day. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Maybe okay. Number three. Um, we're not doing holiday songs here, okay? Because everybody's got an opinion on holiday songs. Um, and that includes Halloween songs. That includes... A classic holiday. Um, Billy uh, Holiday. Billy Holiday songs. Um, that includes Fourth of July songs. Uh, no Toby Keith will be... I can't think of any other holidays. Easter songs. We're not doing any Easter no, songs. No Arbor or Flag Day songs. Uh, best of the worst, rule number two. Four. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, I've been sipping on this Rancho de la Luna Mezcal, unofficial sponsor of the podcast. I'm going to lose over here. No intros, outros, interludes, or overtures. Sorry, Wagner. Yeah, we're not doing any of that crap. So, um, there's a, you know, if you're thinking about Tommy, uh, the Who's Tommy, there's, you know, we're not doing any of that that intro overtures and yeah. interludes. No reprises. Reprise. Reprise? I've never heard that said out loud. I think it's a reprise. <clears throat> that's why there's not a Z in it. <laughs> okay. Um, that's our intro. We've got we've wasted seven minutes of your time. You're still listening. And uh, here we go. The first song that we're going to do is, um, I think it's a holiday song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is not a Halloween song. It was released in winter. Is released in winter. Okay, so the, we're gonna we're going straight for it. Yeah. Uh, the Rolling Stones. Okay, the greatest, arguably the top three greatest rock and roll bands. Rock of all and roll bands of all time. Um, if, you, if you really want to piss Roger Daltrey off and knock him out of the top three, maybe he's maybe he's up there. I don't know. Maybe he's number two. I don't know. But um, yeah, uh, I personally love the Rolling Stones. I so think, do I. I think. Uh, Especially that early stuff, I I even love. I think probably my favorite Stones record is Satanic Majesty. I you know all this, this she comes in colors on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it's a great album. Amazing album. Sympathy for the Devil, mm-hmm. probably one of the greatest songs by the Stones. I maybe Under My Thumb. Uh, oh, Rude Tuesday. Rude Tuesday. Yeah, how is that not on a Wes Anderson soundtrack? Yeah, it will be. My favorite album is a. Uh, is, is the later stuff like I love I love a lot of the early stuff was raised on it uh, like Paint It Black or my dad turning up his blouse punked to as high as it went with the top down on his car and just blasting Paint It Black I will, I'll remember that till the day I die I think I was 10 years old and uh, but my favorite album is Tattoo You mostly mm. B-sides and it's uh, it's it's a lot of un- unreleased material that they just kind of scrapped together, cobbled together to make an album out of. But mm. but that's what Start Me Up is the best known song from that album. I think it's the the opening track. But but I like a lot of I like all the the entire B side of the album is just like ballads that r- rule. Yeah. And uh, and this and this song is off is the is off the album just after. Uh, yeah. So the the song we're gonna talk about is called. It pains me to say it. It's called uh, Too Much Blood, and uh, it's off an album called Undercover. 
which was released in 83. Mm-hmm. Okay. David, why don't you tell me a little bit about this about this song? Uh, this song was, although the album came out in 83, this song was released in 84. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, as the music video uh, tells us, when there's like a, a year in review in 1984 in the music video that a woman in her apartment is reading. <laughs> a woman in her apartment that has nothing to do with what's happening yeah. in the music video. It seems like there's like an A storyline and a B storyline. And the B storyline is just a woman experience, like with the blood starts running out of her faucet and suddenly appears in a drink that she's drinking. Yeah, so... Um, it's basically the it's basically the Rolling Stones' biggest. It's it's their attempt at rem, this album seems like an attempt at remain in light, to me. By, by, the, by talking the talking heads. heads. Um, to me, too much blood seems like a like their answer to Thriller, uh, by Michael Jackson. Oh yes, uh, di- directly song for song. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, it does definitely does have a Talking Heads sort yeah. of uh, vibe. It's like like a. His, his, uh, he, w- while he's talking, his spoken word stuff, it almost reminds me of like, uh, Houses in Motion. Uh, the, the, the kind of like riff during it. Uh, Keith, Keith, uh, Richard's riff sounds kind of like a, could be bore under punches. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, both great artists, but neither one of them do we want the Rolling Stones trying to sound no, like. No, 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 no. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, and, uh, and, just to make it clear, there is, uh, for the song Too Much Blood, there is a, a music video that I think everybody should go out and find on YouTube because it's freaking amazing. Um, <laughs> Amazingly is, bad. Yeah, as Dave mentioned, there's a, a woman who just sees, she's seeing too much blood, right? Everything she looks at, she sees blood. She picks up the phone and blood comes out of the phone. She even at one point she's drink, she realized she's drinking a Bloody Mary, yeah. and she knocks that thing right over. <laughs> if uh, comedy is repetition, I don't think I, I don't. Were they trying to be funny with it? I don't think so. I think they. But were I thought, to, but I laughed a lot. I think they were trying to scare the shit out of people. I I, um, was, I, I watched it an hour ago or two hours ago at this point, and I I was laughing. Yeah, in, in the living room. Um, the B the B uh, storyline that you mentioned is the Rolling Stone. There, I mean, Keith Richards has a chainsaw. Yes, and he's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> the people, right. the, the people, they're like in a cave, right? They're, yeah, they start off in a cave. Mick Jagger is looking extremely suspicious of things. He's yeah. very. He's he's moving frantically, more frantically than normal. It's not his like chicken dance. It's like his uh, he's he's not peacocking. He's just like, but he's worried. He's really worried. Is his shirt tattered? Yes. It's tattered and torn. Yeah, it's like the, uh, picture torn the, and frayed. Would you say the Rolling Stones <laughs> as the Lost Boys? It seems. Yeah, but the, yeah, yeah. Oh, I could see. Yeah, they, but you think they're they're a gang? Do you I, think that? I mean, I think, I think Mick might be. A, is he a zombie? He's got makeup on. Yeah, he looks. There by the end, they're very zombieish. It's clear that they're like dead by. By the end of the. By the end. By the end. And and um, you're gonna need like eight minutes 
of your of your life yeah. to watch this <laughs> yeah, and listen to this If you're song just listening to the headphones, it's six and a half minutes, <laughs> but it's seven and a half to eight if you're if you want to watch the 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 promo, the official promo video. Yeah, it was so. before it was called a music video. It's like a, it's like there's like a, a Rolling Stones like seal with like the tongue. It's like official Rolling Stones for promotional use right. video. Clearly a direct response to Michael Jackson's Thriller. Um, the song itself, I think. I mean, it's just a bad song. There, there's. Uh, do you have the lyrics there? Yeah. Let's just do the 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 chorus. Real yeah. Quick. He goes, "I want to dance. I want to sing. I want to bust up everything." To make some love. I want to dance. I want to sing. I want to bust up everything and make some love. I can feel it in the air. Feel it up above. Feel the tension everywhere. There's too much blood. <laughs> Which I love. I think the hook, I love the chorus. It's a, like the riff, the chorus, I'm all for it. It starts off, you're like, okay. Yeah. This is a huge departure from... Anything they've ever done. Yeah. For me, I think uh, th- there's something lacking in the chorus for me personally, but uh, the I feel like the horns are really, they're, you got to give them credit. They're oh, working, yeah. they're the people that are working the hardest in this song. Oh, yeah. Right. The, the brass is pulling everyone back in. Right. Like, people, like, there are spoken words part of the songs where you're just, okay, what the fuck is this? And it's like, then the horns come back. And then the horns come back. Um, and they're, yeah, it's a very busy, very busy horn line. It's a very funky song. The tempo is like pretty. I guess it's dancey. Yeah, if this was a three and a half minute song, <laughs> or just an instrumental track, yeah, I would be all for this. And I think and it was remixed. I think by a guy named Arthur Baker, and Baker. I, there's like a dance remix of this song that what I'm sure. What does that name sound familiar? Arthur well, Baker. I, I believe his name is Arthur Baker. Well, that guy clearly has problems. I don't know why Arthur Baker would be remixing. Well, I think I think he saw the I think he saw the potential in this. Maybe. Did you listen to the remix? No. Okay. Well, then we don't have a, an opinion about the remix of this song. This isn't about the remix. <laughs> remixes are rule five: no remixes. <laughs> no remixes whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, for me, oh, okay, so then the you have your chorus and you have this very busy uh, horn line, and then the the choruses are just spoken word. It's just, it's not even like, it doesn't even seem like it was written out. I think just Mick Jagger's just talking about some really bizarre things. I don't know if this is like, I mean, okay, the song's called Too Much Blood. There's a Keith Richards with a chainsaw. This woman is is terrified. I don't know, but I don't know if this song is meant to make you feel frightened. Yeah, the way so. Um, Why don't you maybe could you just read the the first verse? Oh God, this is very pro- it's a very problematic. Here you go. The spoken word part. Um, so leading up to the spoken word part, he says like everything you see on the movie screen is tame. Everything's gonna be arranged. Which, I don't even know what the fuck that means. He goes, a friend of mine was this Japanese. He just This re- Japanese? This Japanese, which Not is... Not a Japanese woman or man, just... No. A friend of mine was this Japanese, which is... Done. End of, yeah. end of line. A friend of mine period. was this German. <laughs> who had a girlfriend in Paris. He had to date her for six months. And eventually she said yes. 
Or he asked to date her for six months, and eventually she said yes. So already, where the freak are we in this? This is insane. Yeah, and this is after <coughs> like we've we've only heard the cho- like a big lead in. We've heard the chorus. He says something. I want to dance. I want to sing. Yeah. And now he's talking about a Japanese. Yeah, it's wildly disjointed. <laughs> this song. Uh, he he he. So he asked to date her for six months. Eventually, she said yes. You know, he took her to his apartment, cut off her head, put the rest of her body in the refrigerator, ate her piece by piece, put her in the refrigerator, put her in the freezer. And when he ate her, he took her bones to the Bois de Boulogne. (laughs) By chance, a taxi driver noticed him, bearing the bones. You don't believe me? Truth is stranger than fiction. We drive through there every day. Like that's it. That's it. That's the first verse of this. Yeah. Okay. So there's a spoken verse of this song where um, he just talks about some guy who met a woman and ate her. Yeah. He ate her up except for the bones. Except for the bones of which he. And then the bones he buried, and uh, and a taxi. Yeah, cab driver saw him. We don't know. We don't know how it resolves at all. Yeah, it doesn't resolve at all. Um, what what a and the and the way he delivers it is just it's very conversational, it's spoken word, and and then he goes right back into a chorus. Right, he that I want to dance. Yeah. Not he, only do I want to dance, but I also want to sing. Yeah. So then and then after there's a, another another chorus, he goes back into a spoken word thing, and he goes, "Did you ever see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre?" Horrible, wasn't it? You know, people ask me, is it really true? You know, you know where you live in Texas? Is that really true that they do around there, people? Yeah, okay, so not only, I mean, the Japanese people are, they're upset with the first verse, I, yeah. I can tell already. And then the, he's, he's, shitting, he's, on, he's shitting on Texas. He's, shit, he's shitting on Texas. He doesn't live in Texas. I no, I don't think he's, he's like. People ask me, you know, you know where you live in Texas. They still they do that around there. It's like you don't live in Texas. Yeah, you, like you, yeah, you do honky tonk, but like you don't live in fucking Texas. You don't have an opinion on that. And then like, and people aren't and people aren't stupid enough to think all of Texas is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, no, that's I and, mean that's a. And I think that movie came out in '75. We're eight years removed from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, an insane, insane thing to say with the second. So I believe the jump from uh, Japanese uh, cannibal in Paris to Texas Chainsaw Massacre has to do with '80s drugs. I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, I'm going to yes. say this is drug-fueled. This is definitely drug-fueled. Is it? Is that the end of the... Oh, no. <laughs> it gets worse. Uh, the other half of the spoken word part, he goes, I say, what, after people ask if that's what they really do in Texas, he says, hey, now. I say, hey, now. Every time I drive through the crossroads, I get scared there's a bloke running around with a fucking chainsaw. Oh, no, he's going to cut off me head. Oh, oh no, don't saw off me leg. Don't soft me arm. When I go to the movies, you know, I'd like to see something more romantic, you know, like Officer and a Gentleman or something. Something you can excite the wife too. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean at all, Mick Jagger. Um, I'd also like to welcome Mick Jagger to uh, 
to our little room here. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> I'd love to hear his review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for an officer and a gentleman. Yeah. It's like, so, oh, now we know Mick Jagger's favorite favorite movie to go out with Jerry Hall to. <laughs> so, yeah. Why, why Jerry is... Jerry Murdoch. Uh, what the fuck is Mick Jagger talking about? Like, he's, he's saying, uh, okay, everybody in Texas is killing people, right? Yeah. And, uh... I but I prefer to watch movies like Officer and a Gentleman, but then he says, well, "Don't cut off me arm." Yeah, don't cut don't, off me leg. Don't cut off me arm. Don't cut off me leg. <laughs> like if he was getting cut off. Like if you like if a if a mashed chainsaw person was coming after him. Yeah, that's what would happen. Um, ironic and detachment is never good. No. What's the last line of that second verse? Uh, or. S- an officer and a gentleman, or, or something something might excite the wife, too. You know what I mean? Jesus. So, uh, I, I, I did, did a little dive. Uh, he, this was Mick Jagger's attempt at rapping. Oh. And he goes on in the interview to brag that he, th- like, oh, you, and the li- dear listener, you might be shocked, he didn't write any of those lyrics down. He was just saying them into a microphone. That was all just he was just riffing. Yes, wow. uh, this was it was a Mick Jagger original freestyle, <laughs> and and the air in which he talks about it was just like yeah, I didn't even write it down, you know, you know, I just like said it off the top of my head, you know, I don't even don't even need to write it. He's <laughs> okay. Australian, but it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then, and then there's like about four more minutes of instrumental, just, and then and then the the reprise. I want to dance. I want to sing. I can feel it up above. Reprise, yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> then the reprise. And yeah, and that's it. I mean, it's a freaking eight minute song. I don't think the lyrics have anything to do at all with the. But, but you know, it's funny that you say that about him, his attempted at rapping because. Um, I feel like he'd already done that with um, some girls, like Shattered and things like that. I feel like that was like the really the birth of hip hop was happening already. Yeah. And I feel like he was right on the pulse of that. And I think he was like with the the way they were dressed and the and the music, like Shattered, Beast of Burden, like those songs. I, I mean, there was definitely disco in there, but I feel like that was also the dawn of hip hop that he was already like doing that yeah and I feel like he might have even touched on it a few times before this like I don't I I, I feel like that's uh, I'm not buying it Mick I'm not buying it that this is your first time rapping Uh, or attempting rapping which and how is that rapping just because he's talking over music yes because he thinks spoken word and rap are the same things Uh, uh, going back to my uh, talking heads comparison of like the of of this sound, is uh, that houses in motion has like, uh, like kind of a non sequitur. It's like I like to wear, I wish I wear shoes with no socks in cold weather. He like in houses in motion. There's like yeah. a part where he just does spoken word, between. Um, but is it spoken word or is it just him talking into a microphone, about? Yeah, it's just uh, him watching an office and a gentleman with his girlfriend. Yeah, this that's this is trash. This <laughs> like, this is a this seems very hackneyed and uh, there. I mean, there are aspects. Also, Africa uh, Bambada's producer, 
one of African Rose producers is Arthur Baker, the guy who did the remix. Okay. So that's that's where Arthur Baker comes in. Uh, it should be noted that um, I think Keith Richards is villainized in the music video because he and Mick Jagger were at odds this whole album. Hmm. Uh, they were kind of feuding at the time because Mick Jagger wanted to incorporate sounds of the time, world beat, uh, reggae, hip hop, you know, like the the he he was on, he had more of his finger on the pulse of what was happening in music and mm-hmm. Keith Richards just wanted to do he wanted to be in the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Right. And, and and blues guitar doesn't really uh doesn't really fit into a lot of the categories that yeah. Mick Jagger was <clears throat> pushing. And this is a, this is a I mean these are important things with what we're going to kind of talk about with this podcast is that um yeah, why do why do artists like do these things? I don't know. This this song to me is it seems like a like a, it seems novelty to me. You know, it just seems like it does. There's an, like it's it's just it, there's nothing going on here. It's not a it's not a good interpretation of thriller. It's not a scary song. Too much blood. Like it, there's no like real connection between the chorus and the rap. "Quote unquote rap." Yeah, part that's and the happening. fact that he thinks it's rap, I can I blew my mind. Um, he thought he was rapping, as abstract as rap has become now. It and it can still like, people can, uh, rap started incorporating like really bending words to rhyme, mm-hmm. and that became a whole part of like the slang. He doesn't rhyme anything. He doesn't rhyme anything. And from like the late '80s, like Eric B and Rakim to like. You know, uh, Curtis Blow to the Sugar Hill Gang, the first rap that got fucking radio play. Uh, it's the most rhymy rap ever was. Right. and But I think Mick Jagger just decided, I'm just going to go. He thinks what rap is, is I'm just going to go into this session completely unprepared. I'm just going to talk into a microphone. <laughs> That's what rap music is. About <laughs> watching movies that me and my wife can agree on. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's just it. It seems like novelty. This song is like there's really only two uh, changes in the song, and and right, is there? I mean, there's like a very brief change for the chorus, um, but other than that, it's just like a pretty monotonous groove that happens for freaking eight minutes. Yep. Um, not not many variations. So I think they're really phoning it in. I feel like like you said, is that it's them trying to. Keep up with the times and uh, unfortunately failing miserably. Yeah. Miserably, some some artists can pull this off, but uh, I I don't think that the Rolling Stones did it this time. No, this is their their last departure from like their signature sound. Yeah. I think um, and and, I, and I, it is viewed as a weaker release. It, it broke like a string of like eight number one albums. Uh, even though and even though it reached number, I think it reached number three or four in the U.S. and the U.K. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Just because of like the fanfare, they were coming off a huge run. Right. Uh, they like uh, now people look back on it as like a super weak release. There's no real memorable songs off of it. It's just kind of uh, like a lot of people bought it based on the reputation and then realized, oh, it's just. 
This Whatever. Is, yeah, this yeah. is not it. Too Much Blood was a single also. It was the I think it was the la- the third and last single released off this album. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't know the first two. Yeah. Much less this one. Um but yeah, that's for you to go listen to. I'm not I don't want to yeah. listen to the rest of this record. <laughs> I have no interest in it whatsoever. I mean the thing that I love about the Rolling Stones is that they I mean they're a blues band. They're the best blues band of all time, one of them. I mean, uh, every like even when they do depart from their sound, they keep that that roots blues thing in there. Like I said, like Satanic Majesty is one of my f- personal favorite records, which is not a popular release. And uh, this, besides, she she's a rainbow. Nobody really knows anything about that record. That's them trying to be like, you know, competing with the Beatles and Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper and all that stuff. Um, but it's still a bluesy record, you know? Uh, the, you know, and th- and that's, I think that's the core of the Stones, you know? Like, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. And this record, I feel like there's something wrong with this record. <laughs> <laughs> the cover is very weird and disjointed, too. Yeah. It's very mixed media. Yeah. Uh, I think, and, it's, and it says it all. Yeah. Because this album is sort of, Torn in two directions because there's like a ar- because of the argument of Keith and Mick mm-hmm. and how they like they each wanted to pull the sound two different ways. So it almost makes sense, but within the context of a bad album, right? <laughs> it's like that isn't it's not cohesive. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Is there anything else you'd like to add? On too much blood. <laughs> no. Not um, not enough good. Too much blood. Not enough good. Yeah, it's bad. But uh, like we mentioned earlier, there's a, a fantastic video, fantastically horrible video that accompanies this song. Um, maybe we can just uh, just erase this song and the, maybe the whole album from the Rolling Stones canon, and you know, and then they're pretty pretty good. Yeah, erase it. Just erase it. Um, so that's yeah. it. Thanks for listening. You can, uh, you know, we want to know your thoughts here. We just set up a, an Instagram account. We set up a, a an email, um, which is the worst of the best podcast at gmail.com. At gmail. The worst of the best podcast at gmail.com. Thank God. I hope no one gets carpal tunnel typing all that, but. Uh. <laughs> well, everything else was taken. Um, but yeah, let us let us know what you think. Um, let us hear your thoughts. We want some feedback with this. Did we did we do a good job here? Do you think there's a, maybe there's a worst a worst Rolling Stone song out there? Yeah, we want to find a worst Rolling Stone song from this. Maybe you think that Too Much Blood is an amazing song, which I did upon first listen. When Steve showed me this song, <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, this has got a great groove." And then what happened? And then I really listened to the song. <laughs> <laughs> Surface listen, you're like, okay. And then it's like you actually read the lyrics, check it out. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, damn. And maybe there's something you, you could add. Maybe there's something that we, we missed here. Maybe uh, maybe Charlie Watts had a, a huge hand in this, uh, in this record. It's, I don't know. It's the last record Ian Stewart had a hand in before he died. Who's Ian Stewart? The uh, founding member of the Rolling Stones. And... Uh, what Frequent instrument did he play? I've piano. never heard of Ian Stewart. Piano. Oh, he was the. Piano. He was like early. He's like the. He's like a. I guess like a Pete Best figure, but he actually or Stuart Sutcliffe. Okay. And, but he like uh, was involved and like actually 
uh, like founding member departed for whatever reason, but like would he he appears uh, throughout the canon on uh, in the studio. Yeah, I don't know if he toured with them ever. So that that was his last record. Yeah, pos- yeah. Okay. Died in um, Well, rest in peace, Ian. Yeah. Let uh, us know. And uh, yeah, and if and if uh, yeah, let us know if you have suggestions for uh, future episodes, future uh, future artists. Um, let us know how the band recording uh, their shitty rock music was <laughs> down the hall from us. Oh yeah, that was going on. Apologize for any background noise uh, that happened here. Um, That's a pilot, baby. And last of all, maybe you think that Dave and I fucking nailed it today. Maybe this is exactly what you were looking for. Um, we want positive feedback. We want negative feedback. We just want feedback here. So yell let us know. At, yell at us. The email is the worst of the best at gmail.com. At gmail.com. I'm David Newshots. And I'm Stephen Williams. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Cut off her head. Put the rest of her body in the refrigerator and a piece by piece. Put her in the refrigerator. Put her in the freezer. Bones to the Bois de Boulogne. By chance, 